Travis, you'll come up. I want to introduce you guys to a friend of mine, Travis Sawyer. He's a missionary. He and his wife and children are missionaries in Masemara, Kenya. He'll tell you a little bit more about that. But Travis and I met over two great loves. One was Jesus, and the other was Brett Favre. Yes. And, um, and so we have been in mourning. We think he may be coming out of retirement. That'd We're praying great. for that, yeah. maybe. Um, so anyway, but Travis and I got to know each other over Monday night football. This was mm-hmm. before Sunday night football was yeah. even a thing. Yeah. Monday. Just Monday night on regular TV. Mm-hmm. So that dates us a little bit. And we used to talk about all kinds of things in the gospel. And so our friendship is forged in the person and work of Christ. We're two very, very different people, as you'll probably find out pretty quickly here. Um, but he is a wonderful man, love his family, love the opportunity that we had to see um, them grow into the missionaries that they've grown into. We have not, not yet visited them in Kenya. For, we'll need a little bit of time to be able to do that. You don't just go for a weekend, as it turns out. It's hard to do. Um, and there's real big spiders over there, of which Travis is deathly afraid. And so uh, I, Susan's afraid of spiders, not me. So, um, but love them, love their family. I'm thankful to be able to have you hear from him this morning. So give him his, your attention as he is going to share. There, there's going to be a video to be a little different than what we normally do, but the gospel will be very clear. And that's a beautiful thing. So I'm thankful for them. And uh, I want to pray for him just real quick as he steps up. Father, may your spirit be on Travis and may your spirit move amongst us. Amen. So do I stand up here or right here? Okay. Right here? Yeah. Okay. You never know. It's always good to ask. Well, good morning. It's great to be here. It's a pleasure for us to be here with you all today with fellow believers worshiping our Father in heaven. I want to thank Josh and crew for the music. It's always nice to be able to sing music in your own language because we don't get to do that for three or four years at a time. And so we just come home and it's like, oh, thank you. We can, you know, we can sing in our own language and we can speak in our own language. And it's always nice to do that. Uh, as Cameron was saying, my name is Travis Sawyer. Uh, my wife, Laura, and our four daughters, Sarah, Summer, Savannah, and Skyler. And we have two dogs, Samson and Sandy. Okay? And we were, we were planning on getting a third dog, and we all agreed. We voted, and for some reason, the name of the dog is going to be Simba. So there's something about S names in our, in our family. I don't know what it is, but we have been in Maasai Mara now for almost 10 years. Anybody in here know where Maasai Mara is at? Okay, anybody in here watch National Geographic and see all the animals? Okay, that's where we live, okay? We actually pull the National Geographic vehicles out of the ditch when they're stuck in the mud, but for some reason we never make the show. I don't know what's going on. But that is right where we live. We're southwest uh, Kenya, uh, southwest of Nairobi, about six hours uh, south of Nairobi in the bush. So it's only 150 miles, but it takes you six hours to get there. The roads are atrocious. But before we get started, uh, what I like to do is I like to remind people we've been in a lot of churches this year. This is our 29th church we've been in since we've been home for six and a half months. We have 24,000 miles on the ground under us so far, and so we're pretty tired, but we're happy that to spend our last speaking Sunday with you guys. But I've, everywhere we've went, I've, always, I've tried to encourage people to understand it, it's not just, and I hope you don't walk out of here today and think that it's just a missionary who came, who spoke, who shared some cool stories, who showed some pictures and videos, and the Falcons are on at one, and man, that's what we're looking forward to. But it's actually something very much different than that. 
And in fact, if you, ta if you have a copy of God's Word, you may remember this in Acts chapter 13, when the church at Antioch were gathered together, and it's the first few verses of Acts 13 there. Now the church were, there were at the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. And if you flip over to Acts chapter 14, there's a lot that's happened between what I just read and what I'm about to read. There's about two years that's went by here from what most people have agreed on. And there's tons of stories, no doubt, and all that had been going on in Barnabas and Paul's ministry here. And it comes to verse 27. They come back to Antioch. And it says, When they had arrived and gathered the church together, together they began to report all the things that God would, had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And this morning, almost 2,000 years later, we're just continuing that on. I'm not saying I'm Paul or Barnabas by any means, but I'm saying we have gathered the church together here today, together. I don't know why I keep saying gather. We have gathered together today as a church, and we're going to be showing you guys pictures and, and movies of what's going on in a, in a culture much different from our own. It's very different than our own. I, you'll probably see that right off the bat. But the most important thing I hope you get out of this is, is what he says here in Acts 14, 27, is how God has opened a door of faith to these people and how Christ has changed their lives. And that's so important. If you look there, he says uh, in verse 28, and they spent a long time with the disciples. If you can imagine two years of their life and traveling around and ships and ministering and stories and healings and all these different things, it probably took them a long time to tell those stories. In fact, I read one guy said they were together about a year. Okay, We've got about 45 minutes this morning to show you three years worth of stuff. Okay, I always tell people it's hard to fit into a 40-minute presentation or whatever you want to call it, four years, three years worth of things that are going on. But we're just have some of the highlights in the video that we'll show you. Uh, Laura made me take the low lights out, if low lights is even a word. So we didn't want to discourage anyone. But there are discouraging moments as well. And just briefly to understand, uh, for some reason when I've done these videos, we've been home three times in 10 years. And all of the videos have built upon one another. I don't know why I did that, but I did. And so there's going to be people you may not recognize or may not understand. And after the video plays, I'm going to get back up and we're going to show some pictures and I'm going to explain about what you've seen. And hopefully you're going to see, like I said, a complete different culture. You're going to see about some different ministries that we're involved in, different ministries that we hope to do. And most importantly, though, please understand from Acts 14:27, my goal here this morning is to show you how God has opened this door of faith to these people. And I'll tell a couple of their stories and, and their testimonies and different things like that. So we'll go ahead and play the video, and then I'll come back up in a minute and share about the pictures.
Those little girls are sweethearts, and what they were saying there was one day in heaven, forever and ever, there'll be no more mourning, there'll be no more grief, only joy everlasting. But I'll talk about those guys here in a minute. We can put the pictures up. Okay, this is one of those pictures you wouldn't understand, but last time we were home, uh, our, our previous furlough before we left, about three weeks before we left, the Maasai Mara was demarcated, which means that every Maasai was given his own piece of land, 35 acres. Our mission station has been there for 18 years, and originally they gave us what you see in the white line there. And when they demarcated the land, there was a bunch of corrupt people that got on the land committee that don't like us very much, and they came up about three weeks before we come on our last furlough, and they said, here's what we're giving you. This is what we're giving the mission, and they drew out the red line. The red line there, pretty much the only thing on the red, in the red line is our house. The church was taken away from us, the water systems, everything, any kind of development was taken away from us. About a week before we left, I had a friend who was on the land committee who came up and he said, what's going on? And I told him and he said, no, that's not true. He sits down on the table, flops open the laptop and says, draw what you want on this laptop. And I drew out the blue line and we left for the states. And while we were traveling around, just like we were this time, I was telling everyone, please pray for the blue line. We get back from our last furlough three years ago, two weeks later, they came up and they hand us a, an envelope with a title deed that says, basically, you got the blue line. And so I wanted to tell people, thank you for praying. Like you were saying this morning, it's important to pray and prayer does work. Don't ever doubt it. Next picture. So after that, after we were able to get the land secured, I wasn't going to just build and have some crooked guy come and make a business out of our school. We decided that we wanted to build, we, we assessed the needs of the community and we said, Where do, what do we need? And we said, well, we need a school. And we didn't need a school because there wasn't a school. Is any teachers in here? Any school teachers? Okay, good, there's a lot. So you'll appreciate this. So in our community, we have a government school that has 1,100 children in it from, eight, from kindergarten to eighth grade. Eighth grade has 93 students, one teacher, and two books for the entire classroom. The education is so poor there, and it's so corrupt, we said we think we can do school better. We think we can, if we have righteousness and integrity involved, the school will be better. And I set the community down and I said, we want to build a school, but we don't want to build a school to educate your children. And everybody was looking like, what are you talking about? I said, we don't want to educate your children. That's not why we're building a school. The reason we're building a school is because we want to be able to share Jesus Christ with your children. We want to give them a biblical foundation as they grow up. And as they grow up and they leave and they go out into the country, we'll have Christian men and women who are out in the country, hopefully leaders and different things, and they will change this country because of Jesus Christ. And I said, because of that, we hope we have the best education around. And so everybody smiled and went on. And we left. We opened school in January. We left in March. So it was only two months into it. We were scared to death to come home. But we had partners there who were overseeing it as well. The end of the first term was in April. And we get a call. I get about six calls a week from teachers and everything else, even this week. And they said one of our third graders had some astronomical scores like number four in the entire country. And so once again, because of righteousness, integrity, and because of our testimony, and we want to be a good testimony for Jesus, 
we have a great education system. And so it's, it's going really well. We started with 33 children. We now have 60 children from kindergarten to third grade. Uh, everything seems to be going really well. Lord willing, next year uh, we will start fourth and fifth grade and have over 100 students on our mission station. So we're very happy about that. You can go to the next picture. And I always just throw this in here because I don't like people to think I'm out here doing this by myself, breaking my back. I have a crew of men that I have trained from the first day. When they came, all they could do was dig. They didn't know anything else. And since then, I've taught them how to weld and build and mechanic and do all these things. And so these are the men right here with me that's making this happen. They're very good guys, very faithful men. We're very thankful for them. A lot of them are still working right now over there. You can go to the next picture. So this was the first two classrooms, and we were very excited about having these first two classrooms, and it's right behind the church. That's the church in, on the side there because of Sunday school for the children. And you guys saw the animals that was literally in our front yard. Can you imagine sending your kids to go to Sunday school up on the hill? Because before we had this, the only place for Sunday school was at our houses, and we would have about 60 kids show up for Sunday school. And so we were very excited to have two classrooms. Our first two classrooms were Sunday school classrooms as well. And now we have over 100 kids coming to Sunday school every Sunday morning. And by the way, I am the pastor of the church there. It's called AIC Sekinani. We have about 65 adults. And on any given Sunday, about 150 to 200 kids come on Sunday morning. And nobody in our community, there's three or four little churches in our community, and no one wants the kids because they're loud and disruptive. And so we said, send them our way. We'll take them because that's the future generation. And those one day will be our church leaders, no doubt. So we're happy to have that. The church is doing very well. It's growing leaps and bounds, and we're excited about that. You can go to the next picture. That's what the school currently looks like. Actually, it doesn't look like that. I'm lying to you. That's what it looked like when I left. At this point, we've continued to build fourth and fifth grade while I've been gone. But that's kindergarten through third grade. And if, you know, I have to remember where I'm at. I'm in America. So as you guys look at these pictures and stuff, a lot of these are no big deal to you. But this building is built just like our houses over there. It's stone and concrete tiles. There's 10 tons of weight on the roof of that. And that's, that's important because most of these children in most schools in our area do you guys know metal roofing? I'm sure you know metal roofing. They're, the entire school is built out of metal roofing. The walls are that way, the roof's that way. So when it's hot outside, like it's Africa, it's hot a lot there. <laughs> it's like you're in an oven all day long. When it's raining, it, they literally have to stop school. And we have a rainy season that'll go a couple weeks sometimes. There's no school because the kids can't hear inside. And so we wanted to do it right. Once again, the testimony for Jesus. We wanted people to see it and say, those people care about us. And so we did this. When it's raining outside, the kids don't even know it. When it's hot outside, it's still cool inside. So these kids, needless to say, and the teachers are very, very happy to be here. You can go to the next picture. I put this picture in because it was, it was lunchtime. Once again, that doesn't mean anything to us. But over there, the only meal a lot of these children will get is at our school once a day for lunch. And so in Africa, when there's food, that's where you're at, because it may be the only meal you get. Well, this day happened to be lunchtime, and I walk down to the school, and I, I look in, and I see these two little kids sitting there, and I said, hey, everybody's out here eating. I said, what are you doing? 
And you may not be able to see it, but that, that little book they're looking at there is a Bible picture book. And they said, we would rather sit here and look at the pictures from the Bible stories we're learning in Sunday school than go out and eat. I mean, it's just incredible what we take for granted here. But I thought that was a cool picture. I asked somebody one time, I said, anybody see anything wrong with this picture? Somebody said, the kid's got a cell phone in the bush of Africa. No, that is one of our teachers' cell phones, just so everybody knows. Next picture. <laughs> Okay, this is where you guys have to get interactive because I've did this everywhere. And so far, most everyone, every church I've been to has failed. Does anybody see anything out of place in this picture? Yes, the kids always get it. I love this. Man, boom, right there. She said there's water. All the adults sitting here never even thought that, maybe. There was a kid got it in the last church, too. Good job. So in Africa, water is a very rare thing, especially clean water. And this right here is on the back side of the kitchen. There's two faucets coming out there. There's one in that building in the very back. That's a bathroom. That's a faucet as well. These kids normally have to pay to have their water carried from the river or they carry it themselves from the river at most schools. And the river, the problem with that is the nastiest place we have around our community. In fact, every Saturday morning, we ride the four-wheelers down to go to the community, to go visiting people, sit with folks and different things like that. All the men are bathing on this side of the road where you cross, and all the women are bathing on this side of the road. And everybody's waving at you, and everybody's naked. It's kind of awkward. But that's where everybody bathes, and it's where they throw their dead animals. When they die, they just chuck them right in the river. There was a drought in 2009. It's one of the worst droughts in Kenya's history. There was hundreds of animals dying all over the place. We were pulling them out of the river, rotten left and right. We had two kids die from anthrax right down the river because they were drinking that river water. And so this is a big deal right here. It's the same water that we drink. It's our, it's our mission station water. And these little kids were so funny. We have one of the, the guards, one of the guys in our church, it's trans, he translates for me and everything. He's a day guard. He walks the kids. He makes sure animals stays out. And there were 33 of these little kids when we opened school the first day. And they all had cups. And they're all bathing in this water. There is water going everywhere. And this little guy's running around trying to get this under control. You can imagine 33 kids who've never had fresh water. It was like a heyday going wild. And so it was really funny, but he finally got it under control. But water is such a huge thing over there. And so we're seeing the kids' health change just from having clean water. Just mental capacities changing. It's amazing what clean water will do. Go to the next picture. So these are our teachers and before we left I just happened to be standing down there and I said, hey let me grab a picture. I'm going to be traveling around speaking to thousands of people and I'm going to make you famous. And they laughed and didn't believe me and so they've been seen by thousands of people. But these people are very important to the function of everything. Uh, I interviewed, I thought it would be very easy to find Christian teachers in a country that's predominantly Christian, like us. And I interviewed 27 teachers to find four. I was blown away. I thought, oh, this will be easy. Most of these people are teaching Christian religious education classes and can't even tell you who Jesus is. That's how bad it is. So it took us a long time, needless to say. The lady on the left, her name is Agnes. She's our headmaster and first grade teacher. Lady in the purple, her name is Judith. She teaches third grade. Lady on the far end is Sarah in the pink. She teaches our second grade. 
And I always tell people, please remember the lady in the yellow. Her name is Miriam. And the reason I say that for you school teachers out there, you will understand this. Miriam is our kindergarten teacher. Yeah, that's how I feel. <laughs> kindergarten teacher. This is not your normal kindergarten students. I'm just going to tell you real quickly. These, she, I've been telling people 19. I was told yesterday she now has 23 of these little people who for their entire life have been running around the bush wild naked watching animals their entire life. I call them bush babies. That's what I call them because that's what they are. And now she has 23 of these little people that she has to sit down and try to teach if you can imagine. They've never had to sit. They don't speak Swahili. They don't speak English. She's a Maasai so she speaks in Maasai. Laura goes down one day. She sees Miriam holding one of them in her arms. Miriam's got, the little boy's got her by the hair of the head like this. Laura goes in to grab the little guy. He bites down on Laura's arm. That was just one day in the life of Miriam. So I tell people, please pray for Miriam. She needs a raise and she needs prayer. Go to the next picture. Every Friday morning also we have chapel service where all the kids come in the church and we are going through the catechisms with the church, with the kids. They're loving it. We sing songs. Uh, this picture right here is just awesome because the little girl holding the R and I've seen a lot of schools and a lot of pictures and I've seen a lot of miserable children over there and so it just thrills our heart. That little girl will tell you she is so thankful to have the opportunity to be in our school and we're thankful she's there but this is one of their little singing things and we'll do 15-20 minute lesson with them. Next year we will have fourth and fifth grade and it will be Monday, Wednesday and Friday that I'll be teaching Christian religion education to these kids. And so we're very excited about that because that's why we built the school, was to lay the biblical foundation for these kids and to share Jesus Christ with them. This is what the finished project will look like, Lord willing. We finished the whole left side. We've almost finished the U there, the middle. The back side will be at the top, will be 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. The bottom will be a dining area and a computer library room. Nobody's shocked by that. We're in America. I am six hours in the bush of Africa, okay? I have been in colleges in Nairobi that do not have computers or internet. And for some reason, we have WiMAX, and it's by antenna, and it is pointed right at our mission station. I have no clue why. We have two megabytes a second, unlimited internet, and it's cheap. And so we're moving Wi-Fi down to the school. I've had computers donated this year. We just shipped out a shipping container Tuesday that was full. It had, to, it had computers and all this stuff that's going to be awesome for these kids to give them an opportunity to kind of learn first world things. And so we're very excited about that, having that opportunity. Next picture. This was a great day. These were seven believers before we left our last furlough. Uh, they're mandatory by, by Kenya Church, AIC, African Inland Church. They have to do a baptism class that we go through with them. And that can range in time how long it takes because 75% of our community is illiterate. And every soul standing there to be baptized is illiterate. And so it typically takes us about a year to go through everything. And, and it's really a good discipleship class we do with them. But this certain day, um, we had 250 unbelieving people that came because we killed two goats and had a goat roast. Bring people in, you bring food in, right? And so we had 250 people that came to witness this. And these people stood in this tank. We had pastors from all over the region that showed up. 
and they said they couldn't believe the testimonies of our people. Normally they stand in the tank and they say, I'm saved, blah, they're done. But these guys stood in that tank and gave seven to eight minute testimonies. The one guy in the black on the left, tall skinny guy there, he stood there, his name is Macon. And he stood in there and, and encouraged those people and challenged those people. He was the town drunk six years ago. And he looked at everyone, he said, every one of you know me. I was in all of your houses. I was the town drunk. He said, Jesus Christ has changed my life. It's because of Jesus Christ that I stand here today. He said, I used, this was his words in Maasai. He said, I used to follow the butt end of an animal. And that's where my hope came from. But now my hope comes from the man who is God, Christ Jesus. I mean, it was just a beautiful testimony as these people stood in this tank. The lady in the back that's in the green, her name is Katimwe. She couldn't read or write at that point. We offer a literacy, literacy program that she went through. She used to teach Sunday school with Laura, and Laura would teach her the lessons on the flannel graph. And then Katimwe would in turn go teach the kids the stories of the flannel graph. Katimwe went through the literacy class. Her sole purpose was not to read the newspaper, was not to look at the internet, because they don't even know what that is out there. It was to read her Bible. And you should hear her tell that. I wanted to read my Bible. So she went through the literacy program. She passed the class with flying colors. It took about a year. And she's teaching Sunday school on her own now, using her Bible. And so she is just, she's been such a blessing. She is now in turn helping tutor the literacy people that come in for the literacy class, teaching them how to read. So she's wonderful. All of them have great testimonies. They're beautiful people. Before our furlough, we came home last time. Macon came to me. And he said, Travis, please tell the people in America to pray for me that I will be faithful. And I mean, it seems so simple to us, but it means so much to them because it's such a big thing. It's not, I just, I become a Christian and I come and blend in in church on Sunday morning. These people are ridiculed for their faith. We had 18 women that came to know Christ. Christ changed their heart and no men. And we prayed and prayed and prayed and said, Lord, please save some men for us. Because the men are saying it's a woman thing. It's okay. Let the women keep being saved, they say. Because now they're happy. And now they serve us without complaining. You should have heard these men, you know. And they said, Lord, please. And I'm, I'm different. You know, I'm not one of them. I'm a, an American, so Jesus is okay with me too. But we said, Lord, please. And, and the same day, God brought Macon and Tigus to himself and saved them. And so they have taken a lot of pressure just to go to Bible study. We have a women's Bible study on Tuesday. Every Tuesday at 3 o'clock we have a women's Bible study. And these two men offer to watch their children while their wives go to Bible study. And they are horse laughed by all the men because they'd be willing to watch these kids. I mean, it's just incredible. They walk to church together now, unheard of. In our church, all the women sit on this side, all the men sit on this side. It's like the, they come in and they drop off their possession over here. And now these believing families walk to church together. They sit together. It's just incredible. Their whole, their whole boma, and when I say a boma, a boma is a, a thorned-in area where everybody will come in and you'll have 10 or 12 families that build inside the thorned-in area. It's like a fence. They all build their own houses. And they say the whole boma believing or not, is completely changed because of the light that's come in. You should hear our ladies tell that story. It's just incredible. Next picture. This is Macon and Tigus here. Both have amazing uh, testimonies. I won't, 
I won't get into that at this point, but the day that the Lord changed their heart, the witch doctor's son showed up by the river. It was an incredible day. It was really awesome. I was tickled to death. Um, but they have grown strong. Tigus on my, on my right side. Uh, he translates for us. He leads the morning service. He can now read. Obviously, he has to read or he couldn't translate. But he didn't know how to read. And Macon, is, he serves in church as well. And so it's just incredible to see how God has changed these men's life. And it's, in, it's incredible. I always tell because he changes you from the inside out, everything. And in the States, we're all, we probably, for the most part, we all showered in the last few days, I hope. And we probably smell decent sitting beside each other. Over there, it's completely different. The mamas show up. They have their babies on their back. And you'll see them do this number before they sit down to swing the baby around. It's like a black cloud of flies that goes up. And there's always flies in the eyes and in the corner of the mouth and you know, snot streaming out and all that stuff. Our believing ladies, their children no longer look that way. Christ completely changes everything. Macon used to be so horrible to work with because typically people bathe on Saturday morning, the one day a week at the river that we see them all. And that's it. And Macon would just, it was so bad when you would sit beside him. And I remember the first Sunday he came to church. Now he's a believer. And I leaned over and I said, Macon, you smell good. And he just started smiling, shaking his head. This Maasai man had went and found cologne somewhere in the bush of Kenya and was wearing cologne. It was just incredible. Our, our believing ladies, their children are no longer as sick as they were. They're, no, they're as clean as you can get a dirt floor. It's that clean, swept dirt floor, our believing ladies. So I tell people Christ has changed these people from the inside out, all over. Their appearance, everything, their, their eyes are different. It's just incredible because they're living in such a, a dark society with so many pagan cultural traditions and different things. And we, we never know all of them. To, to me, this is a watch. Over there, I know guys for years that have these bands on. That's a cool-looking armband. Well, that's ancestral worship for his dead father. And so they've took these things off. They've, I mean, it's incredible to see Christ break that power of darkness in someone's life. And he does that for all of us. But over there, it's just very visual, you know, as, and the whole world's coming down on these people. And they don't care. They have Jesus, and that's it. Someone asked me at the last church I was at, how do these people come to know the Lord? And I said, well, the same way we all. He draws us to himself. That's, he, opens, he opens our eyes. He changes our heart. And I said, but I tell you this right now. I said, I pastor the church. I see these people every day of my life. And I myself find myself asking the question when I see you, what do you have to be so happy about? You live in a dung hut. Your life seems miserable. And I find myself, and I'm, I'm a missionary, okay? I'm there, and I'm, what are you so happy about when you walked in here this morning? That's how I feel. And it's Jesus Christ. It's the one thing they have, and they'll tell you that. I have a picture in my phone of a woman whose dung hut has this makeshift door, and she had it ripped because she couldn't write. She had somebody write on it, this world is not my home. And they have Jesus, and that's why they're so happy. And it's so incredible. There's, there's not Jesus and. It's Jesus. He's my hope, and that's what they have. And so it's incredible to see them. It, it encourages me more than I encourage them most of the time, probably. Next picture. So I come to find, 
You know, coming back to America, I put in the video, we had two church weddings last year. And everybody's like, yeah, big deal. We had two million last year in America. I Googled it to find out the other day. This was a huge deal for these two guys. These two men, Macon and Tigus, and their wives are believers. They were married, uh, the study, I lost the English word. Traditionally, I've been losing a lot of English words lately, but they were traditionally married, okay? These two men became believers and they came to me and they said, Travis, we want to have Christian weddings. I said, well, well that's great. He said, no, you don't understand. We're married to these women. I said, I, I know that. I've known you for years. If we die, our women are outcasts. They're put aside with their children. They, get, they don't get our animals. They don't get any of our wealth. They're basically damaged goods, and they're put away. And said, we're believers in Jesus Christ now, and we don't think that's what he wants for a marriage. And so the same day that we had 250 unbelievers there, we had them come down to church. We baptized these people, and then we had a wedding on the same day. It was a great day. It really was. I was in Upper Peninsula, Michigan. I met a pastor in Kenya who was from here, and I was showing this video to him. And he points and he says, hey, that's my mama's wedding dress. And so he had sent his mama, I didn't know that, he'd sent his mama's wedding dress over here, and they were able to use them. So it was a glorious day as these people were able to sit and not only watch these men and these women and their lives changed and baptized, but they saw a Christian union that day. Go to the next picture. That's, that's, this is Macon and his wife ignored it. Next picture. This is what our church looked like that day. And there were people in the windows. There were people in the doors. Nobody left after they ate. And so the gospel was presented to them very clearly. It was an awesome day at that point. And you can see that's, that's how the Maasai roll right there. Very colorful people have their blankets on, their shukas. That's how they roll. So, next picture. Any, any eighth graders in here? There's no eighth graders in here? Oh, we have an eighth grader. It's always good to have an eighth grader. And I'm going to tell you why. <clears throat> Over here, you notice we're building a school that's kindergarten to eighth grade. Everything I've said is kindergarten to eighth grade. Okay? Over here, you may pass the test in eighth grade, but that doesn't mean you're going to high school. The suicide rate in our country of Kenya is very high with eighth graders because they go to school, they pass the test, it may not be high enough to get into secondary school, which is high school, ninth grade. Uh, another thing to understand, you'll probably just go into ninth grade next year, no doubt. Yeah, he's shaking his head. Where is ninth grade at? Right down the road, same area? Okay. In our area, there is no high school. The nearest high school is three and a half hours away. Yeah. So to go to high school for these kids, it's like going to college. You take your toilet paper, your soap, your mattresses, you take everything and you go. And these kids right here, we were able to help and sponsor to do that. The one in the middle, Mamusi, um, we sent him a week and a half before we left to come home. I get a call from a nurse and she says, hey, Mamusi is sick and dying in the hospital. I said, oh, thanks for letting me know. Oh, he's been in here four days. <laughs> Imagine your kid being in the hospital four days and you not knowing. Anyway, we get him back. He looked like he was going to die. We're trying to come home. Turns out he had malaria, he had typhoid, and he had pneumonia, all three together. We were able to get him the, the medicines he needed and get him back there, and they're doing great. They're in a Christian, uh, Christian secondary school, and this is what a Christian secondary school looks like over there that's three and a half hours away from us. 
Our headmaster calls me a few months ago, and she says, she's rambling on a mile a minute. And I said, how's the boys doing? Oh, yeah, they're home. They tried to burn the school down, blah, 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 blah. And I said, what? They tried to burn the school down? I'm going to kill these kids. That's what I was thinking when I get back. And she said, no, no, they didn't try to burn the school down. It's 400 kids in a boys' school. They didn't like one of the teachers. So they gather around his house, and they demand, they, the teacher's dorm, they demand that the teachers send him out so they can kill him. Well, the teachers, rightly so, didn't send him out. And so the kids start destroying the school. Our kids are in their room, scared to death, no doubt. The door breaks down. Boys come in with clubs and say, you're going to get out here and help us or we're going to kill you. So our boys go out and hide behind a tree, no doubt, in the fetal position. And the whole school was sent home. Happened again a month later. The same exact thing. So I think eventually we're going to have to build a high school because it's just ridiculous. But it's a lot to get these kids out there. Uh, the, the girl there, to, to have a girl go to school, period, is just incredible. But to have a girl to go to secondary school, almost unheard of in our area. And this young lady's name is Kotea. She is a believer. She is awesome. She comes to everything we do at church. Her testimony's great. And we were able to find her a sponsor and send her off. And she's doing fantastic. And so we're so excited. Her dad agreed to it. He almost didn't. There's, there's a bunch of kids in her family that don't go to school. And I begged and pleaded with him. And she's a smart girl. And she was able to go to school. So we're, we're very happy about that. But please continue to pray for these kids. They're all believers. They've grown up in our house. We've discipled them for years. Pray that their testimonies will shine and that they'll stand firm when they're out here at these places. Next picture. Any medical people in here? Okay. It's always good when there's medical people and teachers. Okay, so something else we're hoping to do is give our community a fighting chance, medically speaking. In our community, we have these little pop-up clinics that pop up down, and they pop up until they kill somebody and they leave. They're not really doctors at all. And I've had a few run out of town because they've almost killed some of our kids, believe it or not. Nine times out of ten, we'll have a mama that will get sick or a kid will get sick. We tell them to go get Pima tested, to get tested. And they come back, and I say, what do you have? Well, we don't know. Well, what did they give you for? It's this. Nine times out of ten, no joke, it's green goop, like the old Nickelodeon slime. That's what it looks like, and it's in a liquor bottle. That's what they get for medicine. Another quick story, one of my guys cut his hand with a machete, and I take him down to one of the little makeshift clinics, I'm holding the flashlight on the table, on this nasty table, and he's bleeding here pretty good. The lady comes over. She rubs this nasty-looking dirty water on it. I mean, it was brown, and it wasn't medicine. And she rubs it on it, and I'm holding the light, so I got a good view of everything. She sneezes. She's sick. And she sneezes all over it. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, man, I'm glad that's not me. That's what I'm thinking. She goes and gets her gloves on after the fact. She's over there again. Somebody knocks at the door. She goes, opens the door, shakes their hands, you know, comes back over, sneezes again. I'm seeing it because I got the light and everything's sprinkling down here. Then she takes this half needle thing. I don't know what those are called, but it's a half, you know, the round needle thingy. And she's trying, she's got a pair of pliers and she's trying to get it in this guy's hand. And I'm watching this and I'm dying because he can't. As a Maasai, he can't show pain. And so he's sitting here like this, and I'm showing the pain for him because I'm watching this thing go in. And that's the kind of 
that's just a, a tip of the iceberg of stories. But with this, we hope to, just like the school, I'm no doctor and I'm no school teacher. I, I'm an on-the-side builder. And so we can build it, but we're hoping to staff this with short-term medical people that want to come out and do rotations. We have dental on the end. The two things that didn't make it were the two donated dental chairs into the container Tuesday because there was no room left. So you have to use a lawn chair and a five-gallon bucket. It all works the same. But with this, we'll have a full-time operating lab so that people will at least have a fighting chance to know what disease they have. And so, Lord willing, we're hoping to break ground on that probably next year or year after next. We're going to try to finish the school before we do that. But it's a great ministry opportunity as people come in. Uh, medical groups that come out there, one medical group saw 800 people in three days. So if that gives you any idea of the opportunity you have to witness to these people as they come in seeking your help. So pray about that. These are the little girls at Old Malika Home. It's a great ministry that's right across the road from us we're involved in. It's an American lady who did it, who grew up in Kenya but lives in America, and she's asked us to involve ourselves. If these girls are endangered of being circumcised or married off as child brides, they can run to this home, and the home has custody over them and offers them protection. The three girls on the right there, on the, in, kind of in the middle, the little people there, they're six and seven years old. They were already given as child dowry. They were given away to some man. And so they ran, and the home was able to take care of them. Uh, Laura goes over and does Bible studies with these kids. They come to our church. You saw them singing in the church. They're beautiful little girls. They all have sponsors. That's why they have nice shoes, and they're well taken care of. They have an opportunity to go to school, so they're very happy about it. And in August, last August, we're getting ready to come home in March, and I'm trying to finish the classrooms. The lady contacts me, and she says, Travis, can you build an, uh, an extension onto this for us because we're overrun with girls? And I was like, Yes, <laughs> that's what I did because I'm trying to leave and all this stuff. And so we added on so they can add, next picture, we added on so they can add uh, 26 more girls. We did the whole back part and we finished that the Tuesday before we came home so that they can add 26 more girls. And that picture was taken from my front porch so we can see right where they're at and any activity, questionable things that are going on, which happens all the time. So we're thankful for that. Next picture. Okay, really quick, Laura made me remove the not-so-fun pics, but it was just me laying in the hospital in third-world country and stuff, so it's kind of boring. But, okay, so yes, I walk out one morning, and I see this thing sitting there, and he had his hands on the controllers. <laughs> and I thought, man, that's so funny. And the time I took the picture, he took his hands off the controllers, and I was laughing about it as I walked up there until I saw that he had eaten the entire back off my seat. And phone was laying everywhere. And I tell people... These things to us are like mice to you, but you probably never have 40 mice in your house at one time. I'm just guessing. But at any moment, we can have 40 to 50 of these things in our yard, terrorizing everything, tearing fruit out, eating the world down, you know, and it's, it's just such a headache. But these things, they're fun for you, but we hate them. You know, visitors love them, but it's like, oh, I hate these things. And so they're, they're a nightmare, but we literally, one, we do devotions every morning. A couple years ago, we had 80-some in the yard during devotions, we counted. Yeah, so that's why we have big dogs. But the big dogs are not really a match because they grab the dog with the back feet and rip his head off with their hands. So it's, that's why we have a lot of dogs, I guess. Next picture. 
We were on a medical emergency in, Skylar fell, busted her head open, she's bleeding out, and I'm behind this car. Our, our closest hospital is four hours away. It's a missionary hospital. Do you guys see what that is? I'd never seen this before, and it just struck me funny, and I thought, I bet people's never seen it. That's like 50 chickens on top of a taxi, and they're all alive. Every now and then they'd raise their head up and they would look at you and go back down and there's just as many people in the car. But they're taking their, they're taking their uh, chickens to the market. And I just like, after 10 years, I've never seen anything like that. That was kind of funny. Next picture. The only picture I did not take is this picture. I stole it off the internet. So sorry. Okay. But it was to make a point. What, are the, what do we call those around here? Everywhere I go, somebody calls them something different. Walking stick. That's what I know it as. Okay. So... We're pouring the fifth, fourth and fifth grade uh, slabs, and I'm on the tractor, and I'm dumping concrete, and something in my peripheral vision kept waving over in the, in the bathroom, and I thought, oh, one of the little bush babies has stuck up a stick in the roof, and so I jump off to go and pull the stick out, and what I saw was the next picture. Check that thing out. That was a walking stick that big. I say, we grow them big over there. And so each tile is 12 inches long. And so I didn't put any spiders and snakes in here because I want people to come visit us. So I put fun stuff like this that you can fish with. <laughs> but we do have spiders. We do have snakes. We, we, we have mambas, green, black. Anything that can kill you, it's there at our place. If you jog and you come visit us, I always tell people only food runs in our area. Please don't go jogging outside the fence or you will be somebody's food. And so... But that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, I want to thank you guys for having us here this morning. I know it's completely not normal for what you guys normally do, but we're grateful to be able to share with you these things. And just, you know, unlike Paul and Barnabas, uh, we, can, we can show you pictures of things, and that's why they probably had to take a long time because they were explaining it. And I said, even though we show you guys pictures of these things, we invite you to come and see the work that's going on, be a part of the work that's going on out there. We love visitors. We have visitors to the end of July right now, you know, and we love it. We're, we're not, we have hot water. If anybody's worried about that, we have electricity because it's all solar. So we're good that way. But I always tell people, you can watch these pictures all day long, but until you land in Nairobi and you smell it, you've not seen it. You have to smell it. So yeah. once again, thank you guys so much. I, I hope you can remember these people to pray for them. There'll be a test on their names later, even though they're horribly difficult. But thank you guys, and, and do please continue to pray for the work and the people that's going on over there. There's been a lot lately of Muslims coming in our area, and we had 75 illegal Somalis in our community right before I left. There's been tremendous opportunity to share the gospel with some of them, one of them right before I left. I invited him. We, we've known each other for years, going back and forth about Jesus jokingly because that's kind of our relationship. And I've got a guy in my face screaming that Jesus is not God, and me and this guy's trying to talk, and we're joking about it. And right before we left, I'm down there, and he said, I hear your church is different. And I said, hey, you should come check it out sometimes. I was joking, but serious. And he says, I would like to do that. And I was just like, What? And he said, but they would know. That's what he said. They would know. And I said, Adam, his name was Adam. I said, Adam, we'll meet at the river. We'll meet at the dark, in the dark. We'll meet wherever you ever want to to talk about Jesus Christ and that he is Lord. He is God. 
And he said, I would like that. That was right before I left. And so if that happens, it's going to change our life tremendously. It's going to change the life of our church tremendously because these people want to kill him. And it's, what do you do? You don't just, well, he loves Jesus, now let him go. We're going to be responsible for that man. And so please remember Adam. That's an easy name to remember, but remember our church because it's going to happen. And we have people wanting to come to our school who are Muslims. Even though I've said it's Christian Academy, that's fine. We're going to be teaching about Jesus. Okay. We're not going to kill things funny. They're going to eat. Okay. So next year we're probably going to have four or five Muslim kids in our school. So please do remember those prayer needs. So thank you guys again.